0: Namurta sah goa toa rahatur sama sambudha sah. Namurta sah goa toa rahatur sama sambudha sah. Namurta go sah goa Udhang sanghang I thought this evening I could um, raise up for our contemplation together how we understand the uh, actual application of the Buddhist teachings on the Four Noble Truths. I imagine all of us are, to some degree, aware of the Buddhist teachings on the Four Noble Truths and how central this is, how fundamental this is to everything else that comes later in the Buddhist teachings. Um, but what do we understand in terms of practicing? How do we apply these principles, these guidelines? The concepts, all concepts, are uh, approximations. Uh, The concept of something is not the thing. and Because most of us, if not all of us, have been reared in a culture that really loves conceptual understanding and the kind of education that we receive emphasises abstract understanding, conceptual understanding. It's probably almost certainly the case that a lot of the time we make the mistake of conflating conceptual understanding of something with actuality I've often given the example of how, I remember when I was uh, a teenager in high school in the chemistry class and whether this actually happened or now my imagination makes it up but there was this um, example of learning about chemicals and they use these little plastic baubles and sticks and different colors and so you'd have a water molecule looks like this and a sugar molecule looks like that And, and you have these little baubles and sticks joining them together and so you've got on the desk c6 h12 o6 so you've got six red baubles and 12 blue ones and six yellow ones and and they're joined together with sticks and so the teacher says, this is a sugar molecule. Really? I mean, you wouldn't put it on your porridge, that's for sure. That is an approximation. And mm-hmm. Now, we know that, and it's, it's almost ridiculous to raise it up as an example, but the fact that we do regularly conflate conceptual understanding with actuality and it's something we need to I think regularly stop and look into on all sorts of levels but in this case in talking about dealing with the heart matter the the most fundamental core level of our being consciousness itself the cultivation of awareness itself if we make such fundamental mistakes we can be indefinitely barking up the wrong tree and Remember, we're we're using language, which itself, of course, is approximation. Yesterday, we were chanting the the Buddha's uh, explanation of his insight into the Four Noble Truths, the Tamachaka Pavatana Sutta, and and chanting it in Pali. and, And the Buddha talks about the First Noble Truth. There is dukkha, and then there is dukkha samutaya, there's the cause of dukkha, and then there's the cessation, and then there's the path leading to cessation or the expression of the insight into the cessation. And this word dukkha, how do we translate that into English? Mm. Sometimes it's translated as suffering. Mm. In the Pali, we were talking about in the, in the Sutta last night, the Sokha deva, dukkha, dhamma upayasa, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Mm. These are all words, if you speak English, well then, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair... Means something. If you speak Pali, Soka Parideva, Dukkha and pari deva, domina, so else. It means something. Yeah. But what do these words actually refer to? And what is you know, Dukkha actually referring to? And Dukkha the, the cause of this experience of limitation, limited being that all beings experience, mm. and the insight into which the Buddha discovered is the freedom. Mm. In everyday life, you know, you come across people who speak different languages. You, if you don't speak Thai and somebody's speaking away in Thai, you don't understand what they're talking about. And somebody comes out with, Ron Mark, and you think, oh, that's, that's two guys' names, Ron and Mark, Ron Mark. Well, not if you're Thai, if you're Thai, Ron Mark means that's very hot. You know, don't touch it, it's Ron Mark, it's very hot. You touch it and you'll get burnt. That matters. You, you can touch a stove and it looks black, it doesn't look like anything, but if somebody says Ron Mark, that I means very hot. It matters. It matters that we understand accurately. And so, giving some attention to this, what is the place of these concepts? I think of concepts as being like the handshake, they're not the relationship the introduction, but absolutely have their place. Conceptual understanding is amazing. It's that we can be so agile with our thinking and we can extrapolate and speculate on this concept and that concept, but let's be very, very careful that we're not caught up in these approximations, you know, putting plastic baubles on our porridge, you know. So what do the Four Noble Truths mean in application, in terms of application, in terms of practice? Mm. Now one way of thinking about it is the first Noble Truth is there is Dukkha. Is This is the statement that, put it in another way, says we really need to meet ourselves where we're at. Mm. There is this teaching, there's there's dukkha, there's a cause, and there's a cessation. And we could, actually, and probably most of us are, particularly interested in that third noble truth, the cessation. Even the fourth noble truth sounds boring, sounds like hard work. And the third noble truth is cessation, enlightenment, liberation, awakening. That sounds great. But the Buddha didn't teach just one noble truth. He didn't just say, I'm awake and believe in me. He didn't know there are stages if you want to know what i know then there are these stages and the first stage is there is this experience of limitation i feel sadness i feel worry i feel anxious i feel disappointed sorrow lamentation pain grief and despair what does this actually mean mm. so the reason i'm raising it is cuz the Our minds, having been conditioned the way they've been, is sometimes it's necessary that we get some guidance and some encouragement to slow down. Don't be in a hurry to get too interested, even in the cause of suffering. Because that we can do. The Buddha said there's a cause to this experience of limitation, this dukkha. Well, what is it? I want to know the cause. Maybe we haven't really come to... The point of really knowing, really knowing. This is like first noble truth: that suffering needs to be known. Needs to be known. This is it. And the whole body, mind, and so, and then all that effort the Buddha put into explaining it in detail these different forms of dukkha and you know, aging and sickness and these everyday forms of experiencing limitation are not indictments against who we are. These are messages. And are we getting the message? Now, we take this on board. It can be tremendously relieving because we all struggle with the experience of limitation. feel like we come up against a wall and struggle. Or do we have to struggle? Are we able to meet ourselves there at that moment, in that place in that struggle struggle might be another word for dukkha Mm. are we able to really meet ourselves there know ourselves there because if we don't we try and bypass that stage maybe we'll find our struggle more difficult than perhaps it needs to be so first we must meet ourselves and and that's not so straightforward. Um, probably all of us who have recognized the really intense habits we have of avoidance. Avoiding suffering, avoiding experience of limitation, strategy of avoidance. And in the last few decades and, and increasingly so over the last century, the degree of affluence in the world and comfort and convenience that we now so many of us have access to means we've got more means of avoiding more strategies for avoiding the feeling of disappointment, frustration limitation. So the Buddha holds this up, says no, no, this this is the first noble truth if you want to follow this path if you want to know the state of awakening that I've awoken to this is where to start to really discipline our attention to undo those conditioned tendencies to avoid the consequences of our unawareness and look at it. This is the experience of limitation and not adding anything to it, not taking anything away from it. Can we do that? Well, one of the things that helps us do that is if we've prepared ourselves with... Uh, a storehouse of goodness like for instance if we if we're not in touch with our capacity for kindness for compassion if we don't know that uh, we can exercise kindness and compassion then turning around and looking at the feeling of limitation is, uh, runs the risk of pulling us into a vortex and um, compounding the condition Mm -hmm. making things worse which is not what we're obviously setting out to do so this being able to engage on this contemplation of the first noble truth also means contemplating are we doing the work that means that our storehouse of goodness is replete Uh, do we feel replete with goodness Mm. kindness compassion self-respect that's where also where uh, the emphasis and the teachings on the training in the area of integrity. How do we build a sense of integrity? How do we compromise a sense of integrity? Do we feel nourished by a sense of integrity? Or if integrity is compromised, how does that feel? So, again, these exercises in right discipline, not forceful, brutal, but the kind of discipline that leads to real benefit, building up of a storehouse of goodness, that kind of strength, that kind of sustenance, which means that we have what it takes to be able to stay steady and look and feel the suffering, the perception of limited being here now in this moment. Mm. If we can't really meet ourselves as we are in this moment, then we're not in a position to be able to move on to the next level of contemplation. Mm. So instead of having the perception that experiencing ourselves is limited, experiencing suffering is some sort of indictment against us, what the Buddha wants us to... Shift, change our perceptions. I know this is the teacher, this is the message, and we want to get the message. And suffering is teaching us, and I know over the years in my own practice and some of the most challenging, difficult periods of experiencing limitation, frustration, disappointment. One of the things that I find wonderfully helpful is to Bow down to the experience of suffering itself. Bow down to the dukkha. Bow down to the experience of limited being. Whatever it is. Indignation. Disappointment. Welcome. Welcome sadness. Please teach me what I need to learn. And maybe you find that it takes the sting out of it. All of us experience sadness. This world, I mean, if you look at what's going on, the material world has been trashed for so long now. There's some very valid questions being asked about whether the planet can recover. And and then on the relational level, the, the social level, the interaction, how people... Interact with each other. The how many examples of of integrity and real generosity and beautiful gratitude and and patience and kindness do we see on a daily basis compared to the opposite? And so we're all we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of of kindness and and generosity and these. Beautiful potentials that human beings have and all beings enjoy them when they, they come along and yet so often sadly we see the opposite and so sadness is normal can we meet ourselves in the experience of sadness without saying it's wrong and one, one extreme reaction to sadness is to say it's wrong and try and get rid of it and push it away. Another one is to indulge in it and wallow in it, which is, of course, what we were chanting in the the Double Chakra Sutta last night when the Buddha's talking about the middle way, the way of pristine awareness. That's what we're cultivating, that's what we're aiming for, but then there's these two extremes which we can get lost in, indulgence on one extreme and denial on the other extreme. So whatever experience comes along, have we prepared ourselves with the kind of awareness which means we can meet ourselves as we are and then look deeper? So first noble truths we could consider is first we must meet ourselves. And and if we have some skill in that and then start to contemplate the second noble truth which is the Buddha pointing out that there's, there are causes for these experiences we have of limited being. There's a cause for dukkha. And this needs to be understood. Mm. Mm. So first we meet ourselves and then what's called for is how to effectively actually receive ourselves. Really receive ourselves. First meet ourselves and then receive ourselves. Really know Resistance, no judgment. How do we do that? How can we receive ourselves? The third noble truth of the cessation of dukkha, awakening, liberation, that's about letting go. That's about freedom. But that's probably not going to happen according to our preferences and our wishes. So the second noble truth be considered as developing those skills whereby we actually find we can receive ourselves if we've met ourselves in our feeling of limited being in our suffering, this is it this is the experience of sadness this is the experience of worry not indulging in it, not denying it meeting it and then using the Teachings the Buddha gave on the discipline of attention, cultivating mindfulness, whole-body-mind mindfulness, judgment-free mindfulness, here-and-now mindfulness. We talk about mindfulness a lot, but what quality of mindfulness are we exercising? If we don't have here-and-now quality of mindfulness, if we don't have whole-body-mind mindfulness, we don't even often know what our guts is telling us, what our shoulders are telling us, what our jaw is telling us, is there's a lot that the body can be telling us, So, including the whole body-mind. Probably some of you would be aware of the Buddha's teaching the four foundations of mindfulness. It's not just being mindful. But the, uh, there's a training in developing the quality of mindfulness that is able to meet the task of investigating the experience of limited being, the experience of suffering. So we want to know this cause, we want to investigate the cause, and that means really fully receiving ourselves in the experience, in the moment. Once again, the theory is wonderful, that's the handshake, but it's not the relationship. It's the approximation, it helps us get our head around it. But what about the rest of us? What about our heart? What about our body? What about all of us involved? Mm-hmm. And when we're suffering, it's not just an idea, is it? I mean, the idea of anger, hatred, the idea of hatred or indignation or rage. That's one thing. But the actuality uh, can be like a volcano. You're overwhelmed by it. You know? So, training ourselves with the right quality of mindfulness. Also, the other spiritual faculties, you know, like, for instance, containment. Indriyasamara, that ability to say no to our tendencies to indulge and deny. By this stage of life, probably all of us realise how susceptible we are to being overwhelmed by moods. Taken over by moods. You've got no control. What's going on there? Yeah. Well, this faculty, this ability, this particular form of inner strength, we could refer to as containment or, mm-hmm. or skillful restraint, yeah. the ability to say no, is a training. It's, it's just like you know, you you want to get your body in good shape, you're going to do a marathon maybe, or maybe you're going to. Climb some mountains, do something rigorous that's challenging and you don't want us to have some good strong leg muscles. That's, what about your upper body muscles? What about your core muscles? Yeah. What about your hand muscles? You know, rock climbing, you really need strong hands, strong wrists. And so you work on the whole body and, and there's a science to this. as an appropriate way of approaching developing those strengths well likewise the strengths that are called for for the investigation the understanding of the second noble truth there's a spiritual discipline that is wise to follow and so mindfulness containment what, what happens when we just say whatever comes into our mind we don't know how to keep our mouth closed and consider what we're about to say what happens what are the consequences well, it's be really dangerous people get hurt we can lose friends we can create all sorts of difficulties so also the ability to ask the right questions we know how to ask questions about material matters like how to how to get our CV together, how to maybe make some money, and those concerns which have their place. But the concerns of the heart is a different territory. And, and so being able to ask the right questions in the right time in the right way. Yeah. So the Buddha is highlighting the causes for suffering, but we have to then develop the skills, the tools, the the ability to be able to engage these concepts, to inquire for ourselves. So if we don't know how to ask the right questions at the right time in the right way, with interest, with kindness, with patience, often, in my experience, Certainly, very much in the early years of training, and, and you know, my questioning was very demanding. You know, I felt somehow that if I asked more forcefully, then you know, I get what I wanted. Well, it's actually pretty infantile, really. It's demanding that I get what I want. Tama weche, yeah, one of the, the the second factor of the seven factors of enlightenment, investigation of reality, yeah, is a whole skill. Uh-huh bound to take a lot of time to develop these skills uh, so if we engage the Four Noble Truths not just as a concept, as an interesting idea about reality which happens to fit and sounds really good, looks really good but also uh, as a framework within which we apply ourselves as we live our lives and and when we experience frustration, can we meet ourselves there? Can we really meet ourselves? Can we receive ourselves? If we can meet ourselves and we can receive ourselves, really receive ourselves without any judgment, it's like this, contemplating the Buddha's explanation of what the causes for this experience of limited being is. And then maybe letting go happens. Letting go, release. The penny drops. The third noble truth: uh, the falling away of the burden. Uh, if you read Ajahn Sumato's teachings, Ajahn Chah's teachings, you hear a lot of, uh, or read a lot of, their talking about letting go. And it's Ajahn Sumato and Ajahn Chah both can be uh, tremendously inspiring teachers, and and we can feel encouraged to want to experience this benefit for ourselves but if we've been in too much of a hurry if we're just a little bit greedy or maybe very greedy we don't pass through the first two stages we don't really meet ourselves where we're at when we're suffering we don't learn how to really receive ourselves in our suffering without any judgment and then there's less chance, a lot less chance that letting go is going to happen. Mm. Mm. Maybe for Ajahn Sumitra and Ajahn Chah, letting go is the words that they ascribe to the experience, experiences they had after having dwelt on the first noble truths. It's good that we have this teaching, but the Buddha didn't just say believe in Nibbana, believe in awakening. Rather, meet ourselves where we're at, receive ourselves so fully, so accurately, that we start to see there's no resistance to reality. That's the encouragement. And that's the direction to go if we are interested in this possibility of letting go. And then the fourth noble truth is the path, which is often spoken about as the path which leads to liberation. It can also be considered as the expression of insight on the journey. You start practicing these teachings and stop resisting and running away from the disagreeable aspects of life and feel the sadness, receive ourselves without judgment in our experience of sadness or disappointment or anger or fear or anxiety and have even some mundane insights into The possibility of letting go, from that point onwards, if if we want to build on that, then this eightfold path of the middle way that the Buddha talked about is the expression of that, starting with the right view, the, the fundamental view that this struggle is not an obligation. Suffering is not an obligation. Suffering is a choice. It may not feel like that, it may not look like that, but pain, that's inevitable. If you get born, we're all going to experience pain. But if we exercise the discipline of attention to stop judging pain and get interested in it, stop running away from it, resisting it, contracting around it, but open up, receive and study it, maybe there's a chance that our relationship with the natural pain of life, like having a body and getting old or like losing loved ones and like the unpleasant odours that one might come across these are you know, not it's not about making foul smells suddenly smell sweet mm-hmm. it's not never getting old or suffering from arthritis and life is painful but it's about a transformation of our relationship with pain so it doesn't turn into suffering so the first aspect of the Eightfold Path the fundamental right view is changing the way we approach life and then and to stop saying it shouldn't be this way and rather get interested in it get interested in the reality and the actuality mm. so first we must meet ourselves then developing the skills be able to receive ourselves, really receive ourselves in our experience of limited being and then not trying to do the letting go but having confidence that letting go is possible that this experience of suffering is not ultimate it's what faith in the awakened Buddha and realised teachers is so powerful to have that faith to have that confidence, to have that trust that letting go is possible and not to think that I have to do it the idea of I'm going to get myself enlightened is really really not a clever idea this I is the obstruction to awakening this is actually what needs to be let go of so if we learn what we need to learn and get interested in what we need to be interested in and have some shift in understanding of this experience of me and my way, Mm. the source of all our suffering, this unawareness that creates this wrong view, this misperception, then maybe we learn to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Again, the, the culture we live in, and the, especially over the last century, you see the decline of interest in religion. There's all sorts of reasons for that. And it's understandable that it's, it's happened. But, but the result is that what's left, people thought that by setting conventional religion aside that they were somehow going to have an upgrade it's like moving out of a derelict old shack into a, a beautiful new house but in fact uh, it seems to be the case that for many people they're, they're just wandering around like orphans in the wilderness no frame of reference no clear orientation no confidence no clarity no conviction just a desperate struggle to get more of what i want sooner and and it doesn't produce happiness it, in fact, produces more dukkha, more stress, more experience of limitation. So if we follow this teaching and the medicine starts to work, maybe there's a chance that we get the message that this me and my way that we have assumed is so important and so central is not like that at all. And letting go starts to happen. But letting go is... What happens as a result of the getting interested in the experience of a limited being? And it's not, we don't do the letting go. And a long time friend and supporter of this monastery recently expressed uh, some appreciation to me for my having pointed this out to him. This is some years ago now, I think we had a discussion about this, and I was suggesting to him, well, one way or another, it came up in conversation that you don't do the letting go and he that really didn't go down well with him because he'd been so grateful when he came across the, the Buddha's teachings as interpreted by Ajahn Chah and Sumedha, and letting go is the way letting go is the way and, and he kept looking into it and later on what he realised was that he had fallen into the mistake of thinking that this is what he had to be doing he had to be doing the letting go you know, maybe the original Intuitive appreciation was the source of inspiration and encouragement. But that wasn't enough. And that's, again, that's, that's perhaps an initial introduction. But what's called for is getting more interested in any experience of limitation, any experience of frustration or suffering. And seeing that we're doing the frustration, we're doing the suffering, actually. Pain is, yes, it's, it's part of the package of being born, but we add to it by getting lost in it, by not understanding it, by not relating to it accurately. You know? So the path or, or the expression of even initial mundane insights into these teachings, the Four Noble Truths, could be experienced as learning how to forget about ourselves. Not take ourselves so seriously. Completely opposite to what the world is generally about. So first we need to meet ourselves, then receive ourselves, then let go of ourselves, and then maybe we will start to experience the possibility of forgetting about ourselves. So thank you very much this evening for your attention.